I want to talk about the greatest movies of all time. For many of you in here, it's kind of weird. Uh, mostly men, some women. You always say The Notebook. And I don't know why you guys do that, but you do. Because uh, anytime I talk about The Notebook, that's sort of the first thing that comes out. Well, it's one of my favorite movies. It really doesn't make my greatest movie list of all time, like in probably the top one million movies. But um, <laughs> one of my favorite movies, one of the greatest movies I think of all time is, is this one right here. I think we've got a picture. The Matrix. Thank you. I know there was a lot of eye rolling that happened right at that moment. My wife was up here. If she wasn't downstairs, her eyes would be rolling right now. Uh, she hates this movie because I've watched it so many times. But there's a couple of things about this, this movie that I love. It comes from 1999, back in the 1900s, right? You guys remember the 1900s? <laughs> but uh, 1999, the Wachowski brothers wrote, directed, produced everything with this movie. Now, there's two reasons I love this movie. The first one, the special effects. I mean, some of the greatest special effects were kind of invented through this movie, uh, stop-motion uh, photography that took place. We, we see that even today. I mean, it kind of expanded uh, the Avengers movies. A lot of our superhero movies, our action movies, a lot of that that we see now came out of this movie being made. But the other thing I love about The Matrix are the questions. That's really all The Matrix is. It's, it's, a, it's a movie, a script that's, that's full of questions and all kinds of, of questions. Someone did some research, and Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, probably his best film ever, bar none, because the rest of them aren't really that good, but great movie for him. But, but he asked 93 questions in this movie. Like, that was all his dialogue were just questions that he would ask. Now, the biggest question in this movie, if you remember the scene, he, he says, what is the Matrix? And like, again, that, that's like the biggest question, and this is what everyone is trying to figure out. And so all the other questions were kind of surrounding this one question. They were full of questions, and you and I were, were full of questions too. That's kind of how we go through life, right? We ask questions. When we're kids, and parents, if you've got kids, they ask way too many questions. But, but as we get older, we still have questions too, and, and, and our questions turn. They, they become a lot deeper than what they used to be when we were kids, and so through this series, we're going to be asking questions, uh, questions about life, uh, many of the questions, in fact, all the questions you saw up on the screen, except for that last one about the, the skins, we're, we're going to be answering those questions. We're going to be talking about those questions. And, and maybe when you leave, you don't have the answers, but hopefully it'll help us take next steps to try to figure out what those answers to those questions may be for us. And so we're going to be in this series called Questions. We're going to be in it for a couple of weeks. We had a couple-week break, and then we're going to finish it up at the end of, of June and the beginning of, of July. As we start today, there's one question I think all humans ask. And it's not, what is the matrix? It is, why am I here? Why am I here? I mean, why do I exist? What is my purpose and, and meaning in, in life? And so I was thinking about this, and like, hey, I'm going to see if I can find some answers to this that, that don't come from the Bible, don't come from Scripture. And so I started doing some research, and um, I, I looked at the movie um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Anybody seen that, read that? Right. There's the ultimate question, right? One person, two people watched it and seen it. Um, three. What do you remember the answer to the ultimate question is? 42, right? We're good. Why are we here? 42. That's it. Doesn't make any sense at all, does it? doesn't make any sense in the movie. People start rioting because of, of that answer. But the answer is not 42. And so I went on Google and I said, hey, why am I here? In 0.43 seconds, I got 5.8 billion results. I spent my time last week looking through every single one of those results to try to figure out. And I didn't really do that. I was like, oh, that's too many. I'm not going to do that. 
About five years ago, uh, I did a, a message and, and asked that same question, and five years ago, the answer or the results uh, came out to about 300 million answers to that question. So it's grown exponentially over five years to that answer of why am I here? And then I thought this morning, we're going to try something, okay? Uh, usually, algorithms are supposed to work really well. So I'm going to ask Siri live, why am I here? And we'll see if we can get an answer from her today. Let's see here. Siri, why am I here? Fascinating question. Fascinating question. Fascinating question. Did you hear that? Okay, here we go. Siri, can you give me an answer to why I am here? I don't understand. Siri, can you give me an answer to why aren't you? <laughs> She'll search the web for me. I've already done that. All right, and we know the answer. We don't. There's no answer there. There's 5.8 billion responses to that question of why I am here. But why am I here? Why do I exist? What is my purpose? What's my meaning of, of life that, that I'm a part of? And, and you know, as we get older, right, and we're all getting older as we age, these are kind of the questions that, that we try to figure out. Now, everybody in this room, whether you want to accept it or not, we're, we're, we all are aging. Do we understand? We're all getting older. A couple of weeks ago, I have terrible eyesight. I mean, my eyesight, I'm nearsighted. I'm very nearsighted. And um, so, you know, I've had contacts for like 10 years, the same ones. Uh, you're supposed to do the monthlies. I do like the decade lease. That's what I do. Saves a lot of money that way. But um, so I went back into the eye doctor, and I hadn't been in two years since my last checkup. And... Um, and I, they said, hey, you, your eyesight's changed just a little bit, which was good news to hear. But they said, we're, we need to get you some new contacts. I'm like, this is great. And so I got the new contacts, and I put them in. I'm like, man, I can see so far. Man, I can see the spider on the wall in the back. And I can see that, that piece of spinach in your teeth in the back row back here. But then I started trying to read stuff. And I was like, I can't read anything anymore. It was all blurry. And so I had to go buy some of these reading glasses, and I'm only 29 years old, so I don't understand where this is coming from. <laughs> so you may see me pop these on throughout our time today and, and forever on because, uh, because of that, but it was a reminder to me, I'm getting older, I'm aging, and in this room, we do things to try to defeat aging. We, we nip it, we, we tuck it, we suck it in, we peel it, uh, we, we do everything that we can to, to try to defeat that aging process, but the aging process, it never goes away. But my question is, as we age, the questions that we ask, they change, don't they? Uh, they used to be about one part of life and all these other aspects of what we think life is supposed to be about, and, and as we get older, we, we begin to say, hey, did my life have meaning? Did my life have purpose? I mean, why am I here? And we try to find the answer to that question. Now, we do that in a couple of different ways. One is uh, some of us, we are in survival mode. We, we go through life in survival mode. It's kind of like when you go to somebody and they say, hey, how are you doing? And our response always is, I'm busy, right? Or I'm tired, I'm worn out, or I'm fill in the blank, whatever it may be for you. We are, we are scheduled like, like crazy. Our calendars are full of stuff that we are doing. And if, even if you don't have kids, your calendar is full. We, we find things to just kind of throw into our calendar with our friends and our relationships and, and work and, and more work and some hobbies. I mean, we're just in survival mode every single day. We wake up dreading our day, right? 
And we go to bed dreading the next day because we know it's just all about survival. We're just trying to make it. What do we want? We just want to breathe. We just want to, that felt good. Now I could go back to survival mode again. That's how we live our lives. I want to give you something this morning that I hope will inspire you to understand that you have already survived, okay? At the beginning, there were about 200 million spermatozoan that started this race. And 15 to 40 million of them were really, really good swimmers. 400 arrived at their destination. 40 got close enough to touch the finish line. And one won. And you are that winner. You had a point zero 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 two percent chance of being the winner. And we all won. Isn't that amazing to think about? And we don't always think about that. We go through life trying to survive. It's like... You've already done that. You've survived. You've made it. Your life is me- has meaning. It means something. I-, I love what David writes in Psalm 139, 13. He says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Each of us is special. And each of us are special because God created us. God knows us. And we were the winners. And yet we go through life every day just trying to survive. We've already done that. And yet that's the mode that we find ourselves, survival mode. Others of us in here, it's all about success. And maybe this is all of us because we live in an area of the country, the D.C. metro area, where it is all about success, right? We're trying to reach that next level. We're, we're trying to, to get that title. We're trying to get that position. We're, we're trying to be successful, get that degree, make that income. This is, this is one of the reasons we're here. We're, we're driven people. We want to be successful. And so we think getting more of these other things in life are going to make us successful. They're going to get us to this place where we desire to be. Maybe... Maybe growing up, that's what we were taught. In fact, I think that's what a lot of us were taught. To be successful, you've got to attain a higher level every single time. And so we go through life in this success mode. As a pastor, honestly, this is something I struggle with. And um, I struggle with this because I want to be successful as a pastor. Um, I, I can have a week based on... Um, or, or I can have a good week or a bad week based on what happens on a Sunday morning. Uh, I can define my, my weeks by, did a lot of people show up? Do we have a lot of kids downstairs? Did the people get baptized? I, I can have a great week if those things look good, if they're moving and trending north. If not, man, my week can, can be terrible, all, all based on this one thing. Because for me, I struggle with this. I struggle with finding myself in success mode. Because what the world tells us is that happiness comes from success. Here's what I've begun to realize, again, as I've aged, as I've gotten older. Um, success is actually an emotion. It's an emotion. It's a feeling that we have. Happiness comes from success. Uh, now, you may be thinking to yourself, like, wow, I can't believe you struggle with that. I don't struggle with that. And it's not any different, honestly. If money's coming in in your business world, I mean, you feel good, right? You're happy. Life is great. If money's not coming in, what do we do? Man, we're in the tank. We, we hate life. If our employees are doing what they're supposed to do, great. If they're not, we're in a bad place. And so there's these ebbs and flows. And, and so our success and how we define it is all about this, this feeling, this emotion of, of happiness. And if we're happy, great. And if we're not, 
man, we, we are in a bad, bad mood. But so many of us, that's the way we live our life. When we ask that question, why am I here for us? It's about success. I am here to be successful, to make it, to make something of myself. But neither survival or success or what God has called us to. I believe God has called us to something else. God has called us to significance. We've been called to significance. Mark Twain, you're probably familiar with this saying, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Again, when we're young, we're kind of taught, hey, it's about how successful you can be and going to the right college and getting the right degree and the right grad degrees and working for the right company and and becoming the VP and the president and owning your own business. This is kind of what we're taught, that that this is sort of the the steps that, that we are to take. But I find it interesting as I talk to people who have traveled around the sun many more years than I have, so many will tell you that they lived a life of survival or success and it was worthless. That, that when you ha- sit down and you have that conversation or you read articles about people who, who were a- at the, the twilight of life and, and as they look back, how many of them regret the life they used to live? Like, I, I, wish, I wish I hadn't been in survival mode all the time. I, I wish I hadn't been trying to, to, to be successful in everything I did. I wish I'd lived in a life of significance. I wish I'd lived a life where I was impacting others. And if I could go back, and this is always telling to me, if I could go back, I would change that. It wouldn't be about the life that I thought I was supposed to live, that everybody told me I was supposed to live, but it would be about being significant, making an impact in people's lives. I believe that is why we have been created. I believe that's why we are here on this earth we are here for significance. We are here to, to know where we are going and what that looks like and, and almost how to get there. And we are here because of God's love for us. And that love means that we matter. And because we matter, it means our lives have significance in this world. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 2, it says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. God shares these words with Isaiah and says, Isaiah... You've always been important to me. I've known you before you were even born. I will always know you. I know everything about you, Isaiah. It's why you are here. Your life is full of significance. We matter to God. And if we matter to God, then our life has purpose. And if we matter to God, then our life has meaning. But it still doesn't answer that question, does it? Why am I here? Uh, atheist, some would probably say, or agnostic philosopher, some would call him an atheist, Bertrand Russell once said, unless you assume the existence of God, the question of life's purpose is irrelevant. Uh, Russell was well known for his writings, his his teachings, um, talked a lot about the weakness behind Christianity, and yet if you read this, he said, if there is no God, then your life has no purpose. He says, but if you think about that, but if you believe there is a God, then, then your life has purpose. And, and maybe there's some of us in this room, we doubt that, right? We, we struggle with this whole God thing. I say this all the time. This is a safe place for you to be. It's a safe place for you to have doubts and to ask questions. But we also hope that you will find the answers. 
But for those of us who believe that there is a God and God is real, then, then that means if there is a God, then our life, it has a purpose. It has a meaning. We can answer that question of why I am here. Because we don't function very well as humans when life is purposeless. The stories about wartime where the commanders of these prisons, uh, he would have the, the prisoners, he would have them dig these 20 to 40 foot holes and he would tell them, he'd say, hey, we want you to dig this hole out. We're, we're building something here. We're putting something here. So we have this job for you. And, and so this would take them like weeks and, and months to, to finally dig these holes. And what they would do is they would put the dirt in their gunny sacks. They would take them to usually the other side of the camp, and they would build this big pile of dirt. And so they would spend all their time doing this. And, and, and as they would do this, they, they felt like they had a purpose, right? They had some meaning to what they were doing in their life. And, and when they were finished, you know, the guards would come up or the commander would come up. Hey, great job. You've done exactly what we've asked you to do. Thank you for doing that. Can you imagine when you hear that? I mean, if you finish a project at work, you do something you're supposed to finish. It feels good, doesn't it? Like I've done something. I've accomplished something. The commander would say, now here's what I want you to do next. I want you to go back to that dirt pile. I want you to put the dirt back in your gunny sack, and I want you to bring all that dirt back, and I want you to put it back in this hole and fill this hole up. So many times they said that prisoners would go insane in that moment. And the reason is pretty simple. They're just moving dirt from one spot to another and then back again. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. And, of course, this is used to break those prisoners. Humans do not function very well. We do not function very well when we have no meaning and we have no purpose. And yet, what do we find? Many times, all we're doing is moving dirt from one spot to another. And God's like, no, no, no. I've known you from the beginning of time. I've created you. You're a survivor. You're a winner. I've created you for something amazing, something incredible. You have purpose. You have meaning in your life. And I want to help you understand that question or the answer to that question of why I am here. We desire lives of significance, not insanity, right? We don't want to go through life moving dirt from one spot to another. I love what King David writes in Psalm 139.16. He says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Here's David. He's a king, right? He's a writer. He's a musician. Uh, he, he's he's uh, a guy after a man after God's own heart. He's kind of reflecting on, on his life a little bit later on. And, and he thinks about this relationship with God. And, and again, kind of like we saw with Isaiah and a little bit extra here with, with Psalm 139. It's like God knew him. God knew him before he was born. God, God knew him when he was born and, and where he was going to live and, and what his life was going to be about. God knew all of that about David. And look, if we're followers of Christ, if we have this belief in God, it's the same for us. Like God has known us before we were born. And that God has known everything about us, where we would live and what kind of jobs we would have and what we would do. God has known everything about you and, and, and me. Because God has been planning on us for millennia. God's been planning on you and me to be here for forever. Think about that a second if you're a parent. Um, your first kid comes into the world, and before that child is born, how much planning do you do? A lot, right? I mean, there's paint, 
And then you got to put the furniture together. And then you got to find a, a baby changing table. And you got to get diapers. And you got to get wipes. And then you got to, you know, put those little things up on the decals up on the walls. And I mean, there's all these different things. You got to make sure the air is purified in that room and all this stuff. You got to do everything for this, this new kid. I mean, we're tired from planning before we're tired from the baby even showing up, right? Now, this is what we do. We plan for that. We're excited. It's the same with God. God's been planning for you and for me to be here on this earth for forever. And now we are here, which means we matter to God. And again, if we matter to God, then our lives, they have meaning. They have purpose. And we can answer that question of why I am here. Why I am here. Um, One of the best examples of someone struggling with this question comes out of the Old Testament. A guy named um, Solomon. He writes a a book called Ecclesiastes. Now Solomon is actually the son of King David. Solomon, he's got it all. I mean, he's he's good looking. He's smart. He's rich. He's got everything you can imagine. He's got power, prestige. uh, He's got possessions, pleasure, anything you can think of. If we had what Solomon had, because his dad came and brought peace to Israel for about 40 years. And then when King David dies, he gives it to Solomon. Solomon's got nothing to do. He could just sit around at the pool, getting a tan, drinking pina coladas, having someone fan him, feeding him grapes. I mean, all kinds of somebody reading to him. I mean, he can live that kind of life. But Solomon was very much like you and me. He couldn't sit still. He always needed something to do, and so he decided he's going to educate himself, and so he starts to, to learn from some of the best teachers. He spends time with some of the best-known philosophers. He does everything that he can to try to figure out life, and so I think he's asking that question, why am I here? Here's the crazy part. He never can answer it. In everything he does, in the partying, uh, in the sex, and the drinking, and the education, and the knowledge, and everything that he's doing, and the money that he has, and the power that he holds, and all of this, he never answers that question. What happens is, he's asking that question, why am I here? And yet what he finds is it just leads to more and more and more questions. I'm guessing that's probably very similar to you and I. We kind of go through our life, and we... We kind of try what Solomon tries. We try possessions and prestige and and power and pleasure. And we're like, this is going to answer these questions or this main question of why I'm here. And yet what we find is it just brings up more questions. And we never find this answer. And we're very much like Solomon. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting with verse 17, it says, So I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All that is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. Scroll down to verse 22. It says, What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Solomon has everything that I think anybody in here would almost give our life for. He's got it all. And yet as he looks back at his life, what does he find? All of it was meaningless. Trying to survive, trying to be successful, trying to be uh, educated, to, to get more knowledge, to have more power, all of these things. None of it brought happiness 
into Solomon's life. He thought maybe it would answer that question of why he was here, but it never, ever did. It never brought him that peace that he was looking for. And again, I think from a young age, we're kind of taught this is what it looks like. This is what you do. This is a part of your life. This is what is expected of you. And as we get older, we look back and we think, did I waste my life? Because we struggled with that question of why I am here. But if we look at the end of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13, here was this conclusion. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. As Solomon looks back at his life and all that he has had and all that he has tried, he comes out and he says, you know what? doesn't mean anything. It's a waste. So he says, you know why we are here? And he gives us two responses, I think. First, he says, you are here to know God. You are here to know God. That, that is why we exist. We are here to know God. As we've read through some of these other passages there in the Old Testament, we find that these writers are saying, hey, God knows me. God understands me. God has been a part of me, waiting for me for forever. Now I'm here. I matter to God. And so if we can, if we matter to God, it means we, we have to do everything we can to know God. Now, I'm getting ready to give you the church answers here for the next couple of seconds. And it's funny to me because in the church world, um, as Christians, we're always looking for something new, right? We, we've become so inundated with things changing and being new that, that when things don't change and aren't new with, within the church, we, we kind of struggle with, with that. We, 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 we're not used to that. And so when it comes to how do we know God, it's simple stuff. It's taking time to read Scripture. It's hard, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it is. We, we struggle with that because we're in survival mode. We're in success mode. But to live a life of significance, man, we've got to spend some time just reading Scripture. Again, it doesn't need to be a lot. It might be a couple of sentences, a couple of verses, whatever it may be. We've got to spend time in prayer. Again, this doesn't have to be the 20-minute prayer. This can be the 20-second, hey, God, I don't know how to do this. I need a little guidance. I need a little direction. That's all I got. Amen. And move on. But we have to be willing to spend that time. This is how we get to know God. It's one of the reasons we put these, these um, devotionals together. Uh, so we can do that. There's small passages to read. You can write your prayer now. It's pretty simple. I think we've got one more week in this one, and then we'll have our new one out. But, but that's an easy way to do that. Um, it's, it's giving our life to Christ. It's being that person that says, hey, I'm, I'm all in now. I'm still kind of struggling a little bit with some of this. Maybe there's a little doubt there, but man, I really want to know God, and I'm moving in that direction. And so for you, it may be baptism. And we'd love to talk to you about that. You can sign up for that or just to ask those questions through our connection card that's in the seat in front of you on your app that we have. You can go to the connect card there, and you can fill that out, and we'll get back to you just to have that conversation. It's the best way to know God. It's really that first step that we can take. It's being a part of what happens here. I know that a lot of people say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ, but yet they do nothing with any kind of church community. You don't grow in your faith. You don't become who God created you to be unless you're a part of a church community. And if it's here, wonderful. If it's another church down the road because this one doesn't work for you, amazing. I don't care. Just being together with people in this setting, celebrating together, is how we get to know God. 
That's why we invite you into smaller groups here at The Journey to get to know God. We have some of those groups that are meeting throughout the summer. Uh, That's on our website. That's on our app. Just find out what that is. Be a part of those. There's nothing more incredible than living life together with other people that are on the same journey, asking that same question, why am I here? And to hear how God is moving in their lives. I mean, these are simple things, and yet they're hard to do. Because we're trying to be successful, we're trying to survive, we're busy, but God says, you want a life of significance? Know me first. And then the second thing we see here with Solomon at the end of Ecclesiastes, he says, you are here to serve God. He says, keep God's commandments. Uh, That really was the whole story of the Israelites. Their struggle with God was that they couldn't keep those commandments, and so God would allow these nations to come in and just take them out. And yet, here's Solomon says, hey, you want to know God? You want to understand God? You want to see that your life matters and it's full of significance? Then you need to follow these commandments. You need to serve God, and that's how you do that. In the New Testament, Jesus is asked these same questions, like, what's the most important commandments? And a few times we see he says the exact same thing, love God and love people. And if we love God, that means we're going to serve people. So if we love God and we serve people, really what we're doing, we're serving God at the same time. How are we serving others? How are we using what God has gifted with inside of us to, to make a difference in the lives of others? Because if you want to know the answer to why I am here, use how God has gifted you to serve others. Now you're probably thinking, how do I do that? I want to share with you this morning, you may be very familiar with it, it's a Acrostic, I think is the right word. Uh, Shape, S-H-A-P-E. It's on your program there or in your app. You can follow along today. But uh, this is not something we came up with. We did not make this. We we totally stole this from another church that said, hey, steal it from us. And a lot of churches use this all throughout the world. And it's probably been around for for many, many, many years. Uh, But it's a way for us to understand how God has created us. Because here's what I think. For us to fully answer the question of why I am here, we need to understand how God has created each one of us. And again, maybe you're here and you've heard this before, and if you haven't, let me just kind of run through this real quick. We have shape. The first one there is S. It's spiritual gifts. And I want to tell you a way that you can figure this out after we, when we get finished here. Spiritual gifts. What are your spiritual gifts? See, we, we believe when, when we become followers of Christ, I mean, we're told in Scripture, when we're baptized, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. What are those spiritual gifts that you have? For me, it's uh, faith, apostleship, leadership, and I think because I'm in a lead pastor role for the many years, now administration, which if you knew me a decade ago, you're like, ooh, you're terrible at that. But, um, but that's kind of like these things now that, that I, I know those are my spiritual gifts. I know God has put those in, inside of me, and so I have to use those in my life to be able to, to really understand my purpose and meaning for life and why I'm here. So spiritual gifts, there's a bunch of them. Again, I'm going to give you some help here in a second. The next one is H. H is heart, or what we would say is passions. What are your passions? What are you passionate about? Do you, do you love helping kids that are in need? Do you love traveling to places where nobody else will go to impact lives? Do you love prayer? I mean, what is it about you? What is this, this thing in your heart that God has given you? There's a passion that's there. What are your passions? The next one is A, abilities. We're all skilled in different levels, right, at, at different things. Um, man, are you, are you able to, to go outside right now and feel like, hey, we've got an HVAC problem? You're like, yep, I can take care of that. Or, or you know spreadsheets. Yep, I can do all the spreadsheets you want me to do. Or you organize. I mean, what are these abilities that the God has given you? And many of you probably use those in, in your work world, but, 
But think about the impact they would have if you used them for this, this purpose and meaning of life. P is your personality. Are you introvert? Are you, are you an extrovert? Are you structured? Are you unstructured? I mean, again, God has created you to be this type of person. And so how are you using that? And then lastly is E, your experiences. What are the experiences that you've had in life? Because you've had them, right? I've had them. And some have been wonderful and some have been horrible. But all of those put together, they, they shape who we are. They, they make us who we are. And so if we put those words together, this is our shape. This, this is how God has created us. This is how God has gifted us. These are our abilities. This is our passion. Think about this. When we ask that question, why am I here? And we begin to put our shape together, we can truly understand our purpose and meaning. Now, does that mean if you do this today, you're going to be like, got it, ready to go. I didn't know five minutes ago, but now I know. No. It's going to take time. It's going to, it's going to take more of those experiences. It's going to take more being around people who understand their shape and can kind of guide you in that. Now, we have put this together for you to be able to do. Some of this you have to write down yourself, like your experiences. Um, but uh, with spiritual gifts, uh, passions, and abilities, um, we actually have that on uh, our website. Now, you got to listen to me. Um, it's not convoluted, but it can be kind of tough if you don't hear what I'm saying. Um, if you go to your Journey Church app and you see sign-ups, if you click on that, the very top button says shape. and You can click on that. It's going to take you to this portal, right, um, where you have to put information in. This is all connected back to our database system we have, our online community, CCB. Some of you are familiar with that. Uh, if you don't know what that is, if you don't have a connection with that yet, um, then just let us know because the way that you get into this portal is by putting your CCB. CB information in there. If you're like, this is all weird to me, um, you can email Jamie, office at thejourneynova.org. Again, office at thejourneynova.org. Like, hey, can you connect me to this online community? She will do that. But here's the cool part. If you take the time to do this, it's probably about a 10, 15 minute deal. Uh, it'll actually populate all that into your, uh, into your account that we have. And so as a church, as we're looking for, like, man, we need people who can organize stuff, or we, we need people who, who love connecting with kids or, or taking these trips to, to go help people. Hey, guess what? We can go look on that. Like, man, we got 10 people that have this gift. They have these abilities. Let's put them in there. Let's, let's get them connected. Because here's the deal with our shape. Why am I here? We're here to live a life of significance, right? But it's not just for you. It's not just for, for me. It's for us. And so here's my question. As, as we think, as we leave today, as we think about our shape, what would happen if you and I began to live that out in this church community? Do you know what God would do? God would do an amazing thing. That was the, the, really the, the push behind the early church, and they were figuring out who they were. And once they began to figure out these things, and that each person had a gift, and they were part of this bigger body, the church was able to do more amazing things. But if you know your shape, as you leave this place today, as you go through life, how many more lives will God use or put in your, put in your path for you to impact? Because you understand the answer to why I am here. We can go through life and we can move dirt from one spot to another and back again and back again. That's what most people do. 
or we can finally answer that question, why am I here? We can find our shape and we can let God lead us because we now know God and we are serving God. And God says, here is your purpose. Here's your meaning. Here is why you exist. I hope you'll take the time to figure this out so God can lead us forward and see where this moves us as a church and as families, as individuals, and the work world and the world we live in, that we understand that purpose and meaning for our lives.